It's so easy to say the words, praise the Lord, isn't it? For those who are believers in Jesus Christ as the Son of God in heaven, it's so easy for the words to kind of roll off our lips. It's kind of like getting a Christmas present, and when you receive it, you just automatically say, well, thank you. Imagine that you received a Christmas present, and you opened it up, and it began with the words, dear sir or dear ma'am. I'm writing you this letter today because I could not find you at your door last week because you were so busy out celebrating Christmas. But I'm here to let you know that this is a great Christmas present that I'm returning to you because you have won the Reader's Digest sweepstakes. And you will be receiving $400,000 a year for the rest of your life. And you would say, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that Christmas present. Thank you. So thoughtful of you. No, you wouldn't. You would open it up and you'd go, wow, I've got money for the rest of my life and I didn't have to earn it. Came for the Reader's Digest. I want to call everybody I know, text everybody I know, send an email to everyone. I have a great gift. Wow, what a Christmas. You poor suckers got to work the rest of your life. But I don't because my great, great aunt sent my name into Reader's Digest a long time ago. You see the difference? That's why we do praise sometimes. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you gave me breath to breathe. Thank you. Thank you for a created order that actually works. It's not broken. Well, we damaged it some, but you made it perfect. You put every star in its place. You aligned every planet in its orbit. You created life and put it on the earth amidst all other life. And we alone bear your image. Praise you for the creation. Praise you, God, that every breath I take in of air fuels this body that you made for me perfectly. This organism that is so complicated, it is completely impossible for any human to fully understand it, including the smartest doctor on the planet. And yet it works miraculously. And I have life. I have life. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Let all the angels praise God. They are alive in heaven because of him. Let all the hosts of heaven praise God. Praise God. He's alive. And he loves us. And he is turning toward us in his fullness in the birth of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate it every day, and it becomes more ho-hum with each passing year. Because we get so much smarter. Right? Yeah. You know, now your grandchildren open their Christmas presents, and grandmothers around the world say, Now go over and hug Uncle George's neck and tell him thank you. And the child looks at him and goes, Really? I don't know Uncle George that well. It's not that good a present. I've got one already at home. <laughs> nope, go over there. Go over and say, thank you, George. Thanks, Uncle George. I really like this present. And then there's a child who's in room 328, the Children's Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. She's there with a mother who's exhausted, penniless, 
because the cancer has been taking her child's life day by day forever, it seems like. Christmas is not a thought in her mind. All that she wants to see is her child smile again. And then someone comes down the hall, someone totally unexpected, and they come in and they begin passing out gifts for all the children and they're standing, they're visiting, and they bring out refreshments to share with the children on that ward and they eat and they drink and the children begin to smile because someone has remembered them and offered them life. Praise the Lord. And that child is overcome with the wonder that somebody has thought of them. Sometimes we're not overcome very much with amazement and wonder at what God has done for us, in us, or between us. Sometimes we get so used to saying praise the Lord and thank you, Lord, that we forget exactly what we have. Sometimes we go to school and people tell us that molecules ran into each other and the world was created. We say, well, that sounds plausible. And we know the scripture that says God created the heavens and the earth, but you know, we've been taught not to contradict the teacher, even though the teacher might quite credibly so be wrong. Well, I was not one of those students when I went to class. And Mrs. Highsmith, who was my sixth grade teacher, rude the day that she ever had me as a student. Because she would ask me about the calendar or some other thing, and I would say, why is that? And I said, well, that's not what it says in the Bible. She said, that's what it says. That's what, this is right. I said, nope, not right, not right. And yeah, I didn't get too many A's in conduct. But when I was young, I would just say what I thought or what I'd learned. And I wasn't very easy to have my mind changed. As you get older, you get more used to falling in line. You get more used to accepting the status quo. And the older we get in civilization, it seems like as people, the more used to we get being able to explain all the problems away and we lose the mystery and the wonder of life. And sometimes we fall into the trap of spending most of our time complaining about, complaining about what we do not have that is not perfect rather than praising God for what we have that is unbelievably, unbelievably amazing. It is not God who messed up creation, by the way. The troubles we have in the earth are not caused by, by God. They were caused by sin, by human beings making a poor choice because we had the gift and the opportunity to make right choices and we failed to do so. You know, when something is designed, like everything is designed almost today, but you know, as you get older, you begin to realize it's really not designed the way you think it should have been, nor quite frankly, was it designed for you. Now, when you think about the world should be designed for us, and when I go and buy a product, I like for it to be designed for me. I like for it to be sensible. There's something that is terribly wrong when I buy a different cell phone, and the old plug-ins that I bought, so I'd have multiple of them, won't work in the new phone. And the old charger won't work either, by the way. So all you can just throw all that stuff away, and you get to go buy a new charger and a longer carded charger and uh, multiple chargers that are all different from the one you had three weeks ago. 
made by the same company, but different because that charger and that new phone was made for them. <laughs> you see, it comes with a new charger and a new phone and a new plug because it benefits them, not me. What if every appliance in your house used a different kind of electricity? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Who let phone companies get away with giving us a different phone charger every time they made a phone? It's a bad idea. One charger for the rest of my life would be quite sufficient. Then I could buy three, and when I wore out my phone, I could just go get another phone, and it would work, right? Who designed that thing? Design is important. If things aren't designed in the proper way, they just frustrate us and make us irritated, right? When's the last time you bought a car and didn't really look it over thoroughly before you bought it all? And then you drove home, and three months later, you noticed your car was really getting nasty, and you decided you'd clean it up. And guess what? In the place where there's a cup holder, there's nothing to come out. You ever try to get the dirt out from the bottom of a cup holder after three months and you've been living in it? It's nasty. They ought to all be removable so you could wash them out and clean them up. Who made cars that don't do that anyway? And to make it worse, the ones in the back seat that are in the doors never have cup holders that come out. And guess who's in the back seat cramming stuff in them? All those snotty-nosed little kids of yours, right? And they're snotty little friends, and they just cram that stuff down in there, and you can't wash it out for anything. You're stuck with it the rest of your life. It's like getting a Christmas toy that no child can open. And sometimes no grandparent can either because they put them together so well, and I don't know why they think it has to be so tight in that plastic wrapping, but you can't get it out. You have to cut up everything in sight. It takes forever. Imagine the frustration. And that doesn't really matter to Maddox, my youngest grandson. It doesn't really matter to him because if he can't get it out, he'll just take it and start beating something with it, you know. And then he'll start screaming if he can't get it. Ah, ah, somebody designed this thing right. You don't have to worry about that with creation. Because it was not random. It was not thoughtless. It was intentional and it was designed by you. You know, anytime there's a great design, there's a great designer, right? The best witness for God is natural. It's a natural witness of the whole creation in which we walk around. That I can think and talk and chew gum at the same time, and my teacher couldn't catch me, was a miracle. But not a miracle that God didn't plan for. God planned it. He planned for us to be able to do amazing things in these bodies he gave us. So much so that he created us in his own image. Because you see, when he made a world, he didn't want to just make a world for having a world's sake. He wanted to make a world that would nurture you and me perfectly. And when he made it all and finished, he stepped back and said, man, this is really, really good. He even gave us free will so we could be sort of like God. We'd never be God, but we could be sort of like God, and we messed it up. We marred the design because God wanted to hang out with us. He wanted to be our buddy. He wanted to be our friend. He wanted us to experience love and joy and peace just on an everyday basis. But we messed it up. The psalmist is speaking in recognition of the God who made all things when he cries out to everything in heaven 
all the angels in heaven, all the hosts of heaven, all the saints who've died and gone to heaven, let them all praise God. Let all the animals on the earth and all the fish in the sea praise God. Let all the inanimate objects praise God. Let all the human beings on the earth praise God. In short, let everything and everyone praise God. So great is this one and only God. He says it clearly in verse 13. He says, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above heaven and earth. Wow. What a grand creation we live in. Yesterday, the cousins got together. We haven't gotten together many times in the last 20 years. We got almost everyone there yesterday on the Miller side. Man, they're getting old. And they don't look nearly as good as they did when they were 16 and running all over the place when we gathered every other weekend at Grandma's house, Grandpa's house. I'm sure glad I'm not getting that way. And we visited and we visited. And, you know, it was wonderful until they visited about two hours too long. Then I was thinking, aren't y'all ready to go home? And we were at Chad and Sarah's and we could have just said, well, we're going home. Well, I don't know about y'all, but we're going home. But nope, nope. We stayed to the bloody end. And we all told stories and lies about yesteryear. And we all are amazed that we've all grown up. And most of us are still alive. All save Charlotte. Charlotte went to be with the Lord when she was 40. Because even in the world in which we live, there are things that happen that are circumstantial. And they're caused by things we did wrong a long time ago when evil and sickness entered the earth. But before all that happened, man, they were going to live forever. I don't know how many children Adam and Eve would have had in forever, but he would have been a lot of people named after Adam and Eve. So much is beautiful about that when you think about this designer who designed this earth for our benefit. And amazingly so, now these hundreds of thousands of years later, millions of years later, it's still functioning and still allowing us to be fed and nurtured on an everyday basis. Things we take so for granted, like gravity, the children were talking about, that would allow the moon not to follow my head and out when I'm worried about it. Even gravity itself was made for us so that our environment would be accessible and usable for humanity, for life, and for the fullness therein. So the next time somebody whines to you about the randomness of life, Remind them it was not always so, that in the beginning it was created to have a perfect order. And it still, in God's mind, has a design to be orderly. Though a lot of order has been taken out of Scripture and a lot of theologies and philosophies of the day, if you read this book carefully, you'll see that there is an order implicit in everything in it. God was not a random human being, nor did he think randomly. There's an ordered way in which the world was going to turn back to God. And through the thousands of years that this has been going on, the turning still is happening. God is turning more and more people to, toward himself. To more and more people are also turning away from him. But the plan is still in place. And God will once again one day turn his fullness back to the earth when Jesus comes and returns.
and hope and life as it was intended to be is restored and restored completely. That's a wondrous thought, and it's coming one day soon. So what about us in the meantime? We're not a grand designer. We can't design the, the universe, and there are many things in life that we can't impact or change, but there are also many things that we can impact and change, aren't there? Let's talk about the fact that we are a little bit like God and that we design our lives within the permission granted by our Creator. We're given free will. We're given thought and the power to think. And here, while God did it on the vast scale in creation, He's given us the opportunity to use design thinking for our own lives if we choose to take advantage of it. Now, let's be clear. There are a couple of things to remember, a couple of caveats to remember about design thinking. When you're talking about design thinking, you're talking about finding something that's a problem in life and then designing a resolution or a solution for it. That's what design thinking is, whether it's done by God or done by human beings. And so when you think about life, you think about it on those terms. It's a, we live in a world that is full of situations which we can't solve. There is no way that we can prevent disease in our world now once the world has fallen. We can spend a lot of time worrying about it or talking about it, but we can't design a life that allows you to escape from illness or sickness, even death. And a lot of times we fuss and we complain to God about that design, but that is a circumstance, a reality of real life that we can't change. And no amount of planning will take death away from us until Christ returns to the earth. Only then will things will be set right and perfect again in this created order. And we need to remember that so that when we're trying to design our lives, there are some things I can't change. Like, I know by now, something about life I have to accept is I can't change my wife. It took me 44 years to learn that, and I'm still working on it. And she's pretty much got it clear, I think, that she can't change too much with me. You know, we, we make decisions about things we can and can't change and the reality is that I really can't change you and you can't change me either we are all persons of free will we get to make choices but we also can design our relationships in such a way that when they are complementary with another human being that we end up both changing each other because we both agreed to the premise that marriage is about change throughout our lives a second thing that we need to remember when we talk about this is to, as we talk about designing solutions, we need to talk about designing solutions that are within the parameters, this is important, within the parameters of the values and ethics of our faith as revealed in God's holy word. Answers that are not in tune with God's plan and God's answers are not good solutions. It's poor design thinking. Sometimes I get a feeling that people are try trying to change God's mind about creation a lot in the last 30 or 40 years. And we've decided we will turn this thing upside down because we are smarter than God. It's not so. God designed this world a certain way. And it will always meant to be lived that way according to the 
truth in his word. So now as we end the year, and that's what we're doing here. You know, here we're on the last day of the year, and it's a Sunday. It's not the first day of the year yet, so there's no need talking about all the things we're going to do right, right? But that's what I'm going to do anyway. Actually, I'm not. I'm just going to challenge you to start thinking about it. If you were going to draw up a design for your life, what would it look like for 2018? But before we get to there, I want to ask you a simpler question. How did your design work out for 2017? Did your, did your plan work out? Are you where you thought you'd be? Are the major parts of your life in sync? Or are you living life bumping around from instance to instance? Or do you really have a plan you're working from? Often in life, we just kind of go with the flow of what everybody else is doing. We're not really making a plan. We're not really making any design changes. We just get stuck in a rut and whine about it. I can't find a job anywhere. You know, I don't understand it. I shooed horses for 20 years, and everybody wanted me to shoe their horse. And now nobody brings a horse to me to shoe anymore. I'm starving. Did you ever think about a redesign? Horses aren't very plentiful anymore. Not many people ride them, except in the movies. And they don't even make westerns much anymore. Poor horses are out of work, too. You know, okay, if they don't make what you used to do anymore, how about a redesign? How about going back to school? Oh, I'm too old to go to school. Says who? Well, I can't learn anything new. No, because you don't want to. You just want things to be like they were 50 years ago. The world changed. I even read my email. Thank you. I appreciate the applause. It's pity applause, but it is what it is. Now, I'm still not on Facebook. Intentionally, I made a design. I'm not going to get on Facebook. Why? I don't have time. Why? Because I don't have time. Why? Because there's too much stuff in my box. I can't do all that stuff. Why? Well, because I can't. I didn't design my life that way. I don't want to live my life that way. Only bad part about it is I don't get to see all the pictures of my cousin. I'd have known they got older if I'd been on Facebook. But Sally can tell me. She's supposed to keep me up with Facebook. She and Lauren, keep me up with Facebook. If I need to know it, tell me. And the great design of life that we have, sometimes we have to deal with the fact that we really don't have a design. And we blame everybody else in the world for that except ourselves. People who are having struggling in marriages, but you, and you suggest to them, well, what? Thought about going to see a marriage counselor. No, I don't really believe in that. That's a design. It's a bad one, but it's a design. Well, have you talked to any other married couples about getting help with your marriage? No, I figure they're just as bad off as we are. <laughs> well, maybe they aren't. You might try asking them. Is your marriage where you want it to be in 2017? If not, then 2018 is looming. What is your design to resolve the issues left in your relationship? 
Are you going to get where you want to go? You're, if you're young and planning your life ahead, well, I'm going to have a lot of money. Okay, good. What are you going to do for a living? Well, I was thinking about making pencils because the world needs a lot of pencils. Okay? Are you going to make a different pencil than what's already out there? No, not really. I thought I'd just do what's already there. Well, you're not going to make a lot of money then. Well, I was thinking if I dropped out of school and went to work earlier, I'd make a lot of money. Well, you really won't. In fact, you'll make less. Or you could be as bright as I was when I got out of college because I had a job and I made more money than I used, used to make it. And I thought college looked like a bore, so I didn't think I really needed it anymore. So I just continued to stick in the mail in everybody's doorstep. I did it for several years. Here's your mail. Stick it in there. Really challenged me. I could do my mail job in my sleep. All I had to do was read the numbers and stick it in the box on the post office. But hey, I was making good money doing it. I didn't think I needed college that much. And then the Lord woke me up one day and said, by the way, I'm calling you to be a preacher. And I said, well, that can't be because I ain't been to college. He says, yeah, I know. You're going to be a late bloomer. So he kicked my tail out of my chair and said, go back to college. You needed it. You just thought you didn't need it. Terrible design on my part. It cost me three years of my life. I could have been in seminary. Instead, I was back in college doing remedial work for dummies who didn't go to college in the first place. Go to college. Well, I can't go to college because I don't have enough money. Yes, you can. Anybody that wants to go to college with an average amount of intelligence can go. There are plenty of ways to get loans, grants, and help. You can work your way through college. I did it as an older guy. At the same time, I was working full-time. I went to school full-time. Oh, that's a scary thought, I know. You can actually work while you go to school? Yeah. Why? Because you've got too much time on your hands anyway in school. You don't need 24-7 just to study. You don't. Right? But it's nice if mom and dad just send the money and you just go to school, right? Oh, that's right. Too much time on their hands can get in trouble. It's not just your education or your marriage, but who you're going to love that has, should have a design. Who are you going to date? You know you marry the people you date? Newsflash. If you date the wrong person, you're going to kind of people, you're going to end up marrying the wrong kind of person, right? Design. What is your design? What is your desire for how you want to retire, for how you want to live, for who you want to be? You say, well, I want to be the best person I can be. Okay. I want to be as healthy as I can be. No, not really. I don't really want to be as healthy as I can be. And you say, Doug, do you realize what you just said? Yep, I know. I just said I don't want to be as healthy as I can be. He says, why? Because I'm not that fond of seeds or weeds. I'm in fond of beef and chicken and fish. And I like it to be tasty. Do you know that you're going to lose seven or eight months out of your life because you're overweight? Probably so, maybe even a year or two. But, but I'll die with a smile on my face. I designed it this way. I'm only going to eat so much green stuff, and that's all I'm going to eat. And my wife has increased my green intake. So when I pass, if it's today walking out to my car, don't come up to me and say, 
See, I told you, because if you come out to my car, I'll be lying out there with a smile on my face going, man, I went my way. I designed it this way. I enjoy food. However, it's becoming a little bit more of a problem. My shoes are getting farther and farther away. It's harder and harder to get things done. So maybe it's time for me to shed a little more weight so I can see my shoes better and to be more active. So I picked up a few more challenges along the way. Design change. You can do it. You can be who you want to be. You can do what you want to do. And you should not do what you dislike doing. You say, man, I'm in this job and I've been in it forever. And I hate it. Well, then stop it. For goodness sake, find something you love to do. Because you're only going to live this thing once. Do something you want to do and you enjoy doing. And make sure that, by the way, when you're designing that, that it's reasonable enough to provide you with a living. Because you will starve if you don't have any money, right? You say, well, I want to be a poet. All poets are starving poets by nature. Unless they're writing for Hallmark. Maybe they'll get them, you know. But the rest of the poets, they're hungry. Well, I want to do this. I want to do that. Does anybody pay for this or that? No? Well, then go to get a degree in something that pays you to do it. Basket weaving probably won't make you a lot of money. You know, when you get a college degree, you get one that's a little practical. Design your education to fit who you want to be, or at least be nice enough not to complain about it. Sally and I made a decision a long time ago. I'm going to share this, and Sally's saying right now, don't do it, don't do it. I didn't give you permission to do that. She's not back there. Maybe she's short. Nope, nope, she's awake. All right, she hears me. Okay. When we were young, we planned for the day that we are now facing, which is, you know, pretty coming soon with retirement. Because we watched our parents and our grandparents and others who had a lot of money when they got older, but they didn't have the energy to spend it. Or they so loved seeing it there that they still refused to spend it when they got older. And we decided that we weren't going to worry a whole lot about that. We were going to get jobs that had some kind of retirement where we wouldn't starve. And we were going to enjoy life beginning right then. So now I'm getting, getting ready to think about retiring. I look at what my income is going to be after I retire. And I go, you know, that's not really exactly the way I planned it. And then I think back a minute and I said, well, yeah, we really did. We wanted to be able to give our children weddings. We wanted to be able to send them to college and help them as they help themselves in college. We wanted to be able to do all that stuff, and we were able to do it. We've had a great life. And you know, it takes a lot less money for me to be happy now than it did 20 years ago. And I'm fixing to find out just how little amount of money that can be. And I'm not terrified of that. Because you know what? Being around people like yesterday was a blast hanging out with cousins. It's a blast watching grandchildren. It's a blast being alive in this creation. Praise the Lord. Design your life and accept the design he's given you and rejoice for you are blessed people. Let us pray. Father God, we do thank you for what you've given us, for all of creation that blesses us and nurtures us we thank you that you made us in such a way that we would yearn to be in relationship to you. We thank you for, this, for Alexander this morning. He was coming to that family of faith through the baptism of this morning. For this family that's going to nurture him and help him design his life 
so creatively he can become all that you desire him to be and that he yearns to be himself. We praise you this morning, Lord, and if there's anyone here who's confused about the world, being lost and without moorings, let them know that there is a design and that you are the one who is the grand designer. If anyone needs you this morning, Lord, let them come forward as we stand and sing and worship your presence together as we continue to praise you. 